Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. And good evening again from the Water Zone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Rob Starr, along with our other great hosts of the show, Miss Chris. Uh, Mr. Chris Davey and Ms. Evie Bisconer, and they're, they're all joining. And we are remote because we're practicing proper social distance, is what we call it today. And so I'd like to welcome Chris and Evie onto the line. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, uh, Rob. Um, yeah, practicing social distancing and um, sheltering in place in the midst of uh, this unprecedented virus. So uh, we're looking forward to discussing a lot of water news tonight, and we have... And as always, an outstanding uh, featured guest on the Water Zone Ag podcast about 20 minutes after the hour. That will be Mr. Tom Duvall from the Almond Board of California. Uh, so did, did he bring samples? Much, uh, well, I, I, that's kind of hard to do remotely, but we can, <laughs> we can kind of visualize popping a little um, handful of almonds into our mouths and crunching them and listening to how 1.3 million acres, actually 1.4 million acres of almonds uh, grown in the state are doing their job to do a very good job of using our resources. So we're going to hear more from Tom. Well, now I'd like to invite our next guest, who is Tom Duvall from the Almond Board of California. Tom, are you there? Yes. Good evening, everyone. Okay. Hey, good evening. Good to hear your voice. Um for our listening audience, um, let me tell uh, everybody a little bit about you and what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about almonds, which Rob really wishes he had some samples of right now. So we were remiss, Tom. We, we need to send Rob some samples, but we can do that in the future. No, that, that's, that's, but, that's okay. I, I, I love almonds, <laughs> and, and, and I, think, I think, you know, a couple of years ago when the drought was kitten and people were giving the almond people a bad time, I, I think they need to sit back and listen to the real story, and I'm glad... Yeah, and and we've got the real story coming, and you know it's an incredibly valuable crop, and it has a big impact. So we're going to learn a little bit about, um, you know, how the almonds are grown and what the farmers are doing from Tom, who has a perfect background to share this with us, um, having just recently joined the almond board, but being part of the ag irrigation industry for most of his career. So. Um, Tom, let me um, dive into your bio a little bit for our listening audience. You've, um, uh, you have for a long time been one of the industry's most forward-looking and outspoken advocates for the use of technology in agriculture. You started off in ag as an irrigation designer. I think that's probably back where I met you, with growers in the North State. And you found a passion for field monitoring and ag technology. And for over a decade, you've been working with farm operations across the country leveraging these plant, soil, and weather, weather sensing tools to help the growers monitor and control their irrigation more effectively. And so ultimately they can produce more crop per drop and with, you know, fewer resources, which is what we're all trying to do with agriculture these days. Yeah. So you recently joined the Almond Board uh, last summer, which has been a perfect fit because you've always been driven to provide, you know, education and tackle the challenges of understanding and applying technologies to uh, the daily practice of farming. Yes. And uh, you were, have also been honored to serve on the Almond Board's California Ag Leadership Program to be a mentor. And you were also a member of the Global Communications 
Committee. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Uh, it's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yes, and the Almond Board, I've been with the Almond Board for it's been about seven months. Very enjoyable. Yeah. 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 Um, it's probably a lot different than being in industry or, you know, servicing industry. It's um, probably a completely different gig. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about how you actually got into the ag irrigation space, uh, a little bit more about your background. So it's, it's kind of an interesting story, a little bit different than a lot of people. I, I didn't grow up in ag, but I grew up in an ag area. So I live in Chico, so the north end of the valley. been ag for, you know, eons and eons. Um, and early on, I, I was involved in graphic design and marketing. And a local irrigation company contracted with me um, to do some work for them. And next thing I know, after working with them for a few months, they were pulling me into their design department. <laughs> and I actually found I really enjoyed it. And uh, before I knew it, I was actually an employee, and I was working in their design department, working with their engineer, and, and initially just doing um, CAD work for designing pumping stations and irrigation systems. So that led me into being shipped off to Cal Poly to take all their irrigation courses and design courses, and started my career off in the irrigation design department, where I, wow, I worked for great. about 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I worked there yeah, for about so, 10 years. Yeah. So Very you enjoyable. Design, you're, you're, you're sizing the pipes, and, you know, you're, you're uh, sizing the pumps and the pipes and shooting the devices that will ultimately deliver the water efficiently to each of the trees, or, or uh, you're also doing row crops? Yes, and... Most of the work was in almonds, um, as it turns out, oh. which was uh, who, who would have guessed that that would have led me to where I am now. But during that time, I had a customer come to me, and he said, you design great irrigation systems, but I have no feedback. There's no feedback loop to tell me how well it's performing. And that led me into the technology space of kind yeah. of answering that, that question for him. He needed a dashboard, needed a fuel gauge on my irrigation system. And that really led me into the uh, into the technology space, where where I, I was for the last decade. Um, initially working with three startups in that space, and then a couple of manufacturers prior to joining the um, board. Well, and that it really is the the challenge today. We've done a great job in the industry of you know building systems that apply water efficiently. The real gap now is you know, fine-tuning the operation of those systems to be not only efficient but productive. And I love um, what you've been doing with your career with, with the technology, with sensing and control. I mean, you really can't do remote control if you sense because, you know, you have to know whether it's operating properly, right? Correct, correct. And you really can't do... Um, uh, Sensing without Automation. control, they yeah. kind of go hand in hand. Um, they work yeah, together, uh, and it's so really bringing growers into that. You know. Right, it's bringing growers into that now, next level of efficiency where we have to be. Yeah. Well, before we go to break um, in a few minutes, tell us a little bit about the Almond Board, which you're now on the Almond Board of California. You know, for instance, yes. what. What does it do? How is it funded? What's its mission? And what's your new position? So 
So the Almond Board was established in 1950. It's what's called a federal marketing order. So it was brought into being to help growers market almonds initially. Its it's scope has grown quite a bit since that that time. And really, it has a number of, of key focus areas. One is still market development. We market across about 11 markets around the world, marketing almonds. Um, then we have a research side that does tremendous amount of research. Just in water since 1982, we've done over 221 research projects around water efficiency. Um, wow. And then we create a lot of educational materials for the industry and provide field support. So that's really my role within the almond board. I lead up a field support team to help growers on the agronomic side of how to be as efficient as possible on growing almonds. Um, so is that typical? Like, does, does the citrus industry have something similar or, um, you know, leafy greens? Uh, or is that, I have the feeling that, um, you know, almonds are unique in that respect and how much care they take to really uplift their grower community. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So uh, federal marketing orders around the country, most crops have marketing orders. Normally they're by state, by uh, geographically, they're broken up by states. And some do marketing only. Um, some do um, other things like we do. Um, we're very fortunate. Almond growers are very progressive as a group of people, and they've really driven us to where we're going. So the board is really made up of uh, uh, grower members. So the, the board of directors is 10 um, members, of which are five growers and five handlers that make up that board of directors. And then we have a group of committees that kind of lead where the board goes and, and what kind of services we provide to the growers. So I think a lot of that's very much grower-driven, where, why yeah. we do what we do. So Yeah. And, you yeah. know, they're not um... – competing with one another per se i mean maybe maybe some of them are but in this sense they're working together for the good of the whole almond community so that's always good to see too because exactly. you know what one yeah. farmer is doing is ultimately could benefit another farmer and it would be very sad for them to keep that information to themselves so we can we can all benefit from somebody else's success so, exactly. Well, that's exactly. pretty. Well, yeah. that's pretty cool. So I'm going to uh, say let's um, take it back to Rob and go to commercial, and then we'll dive into some of the details about how big this crop is and how you guys grow it. All right. Welcome, welcome back, back to the second half of the Water Zone show with our special host, who's special because she does all the ag shows for us, Miss Ingie Bisconic. Thank you, Rob. It's good to be back. And we have with us Tom Duvall from the Almond Board of California. Uh, Welcome back, Tom. Thank you. So, Tom, let's dive into a little more detail about the almond industry and crop in California. You and I talked last week about the footprint that the almond industry has, and it's huge. I mean, there's there's only about 8.5. 3 million irrigated acres in the state of California. And I say only with tongue-in-cheek. That's an awful lot of irrigated acres for any state, uh, the biggest. And almonds consume 1.4 million of those acres, which is about 15% of California's total, not even more. And about a million of them are bearing 
almonds already, and now there's almost 300,000 uh, acres that are not yet bearing. That so they're they're newly planted. Um, and as we talked about, 2,200 pounds of almonds per acre, and a you know price of about 250 a pound. This is like a five billion dollar crop in the state, and that's just for the nuts. Um, what's really cool about the almonds is that, or, or the, you know, the almond crop is that it's uniquely grown in California and just a few other places in the world. So we kind of have a, a corner on the market, and it has a relatively low labor requirement. Which, <laughs> boy, in in the wake of this coronavirus, that's that's a big plus because other areas of yeah. agriculture may be a little stressed from not having labor to pick the crop. Um, so with all these things, um, uh, with all these facts about the crop, I can imagine that your, your grower base is under a lot of pressure to be efficient because they're just so big and California is always so stressed about water. So tell us a little bit about how um, your farmers are, are are rising to this challenge to, you know, grow this incredibly valuable crop um, in a state with limited resources. You, you know, it's been a focus of the industry for years. Uh, give you an example. Over the last 20 years, we've reduced water use a little over 30%. Uh, and the growers, a lot, they think of water, it's an input to them. It's one of their highest cost inputs. So there's major focus just on their part to be very resourceful with how they use water, um, even though we're uh, in a drought-ridden state, right? It's still part of their farming cost. So it's been in their DNA to um, reduce their water use. About 80% of the growers now are using micro-irrigation, the most efficient way that they've found to, to irrigate, moving away from flood irrigation, techniques like that. Um, so... It's, it's an ongoing thing for, for our growers. Continuous improvements are really important parts of them. And, and they do cover a lot of acreage, and they want to be good stewards of that acreage. So um, water use has been a big driving um, force. It's a big part of the reason for my position, help growers to understand more and more techniques that are, are coming um, to the market where they can save water. Yeah, well, you you um, hit the nail on the head that um, they're they're very efficient. I mean, it, you look at the the protein that is you know embedded in each almond. I mean, it's a, a a very valuable crop because it is a transportable and non-perishable form of protein as opposed to all the other forms of protein. So. It's um, it's a really good crop. It's a really good crop to grow and to have um, in in our basket here in California. I mean, we have 350-plus crops in the state, but this is probably the most important in terms of acreage and maybe even value. I'm not sure about the value. Um, but on the yeah, other and, hand, and boy, <laughs> I, I just took a trip from the, the Bay Area to, San, to uh, San Diego last week driving along the I-5. I mean, it's just wall-to-wall almond orchards now it used to be you know row crop ground that could be fallowed if there was a drought and then if there were uh, you know a, a good water year then you know they could plant something but if it's almonds it's um you know that is a um inelastic demand i mean there you got trees in there you've got to have water 
So now with our new laws, the, the um, groundwater laws, uh, that that's a really tough challenge to grow this valuable crop in view of, you know, our drought and flood cycles. And I bet you have yeah, a yeah. number of things up your sleeve to help address that. <laughs> well, and it is. If you think worldwide, we produce over 80% of the world's almonds. And it's really driven by this unique climate that California has. Almonds grow in very few places around the world. Um, and California happens to be one of the best growing climates for almonds. So it is a big driving force for the industry to be a, uh, as efficient um, as they can. And in some areas of the state, there are going to be some hard decisions in, in the coming years. Um, yeah. With the new Groundwater Management Act, SIGMA, that um, went into place um, at the first of the year, there are some areas that growers are going to have some hard decisions of, of where we yeah. manage. And every place across the state, um, we're very focused on decreasing that water footprint as much as we can. It's one thing the board has really taken a leadership role on is driving four big areas of improvement. We call them the Orchard 2025 goals for the next five years. And water is one of those four goals where we want to do an additional reduction of 20% water use per pound produced. Um, and, and when we say per pound produced, that's an important number because it's driving us to get maximum yield out every acre planted. We can't support any longer underperforming acreage. We want to make sure the acreage we have is performing at its peak. So how exactly are you going to reduce the water? I mean, my goodness, you already have 80% of it under drip. But as we talked before, too, just because you have drip doesn't mean you're being efficient. You can just manage drip like anything else. So are you just trying to do your drip better on your almond? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Drip is, is... over the last few decades, it's really taken off as being a very solid way to deliver water. But now we're taking the next step of how uniformly do we deliver that water. So looking at matching the irrigation system to the soil type that we're irrigating on, making sure that the delivery is very consistent. And there's a lot of room for improvement in that realm by itself of just uniformly delivering water so every acre of, of a field is producing the same yield rather than the variations that you see today in a lot of fields. So we're putting a lot of effort into doing testing for growers to test their systems, to make sure that they deliver water evenly across the system, to make sure there, there are no leaks within the system or places that water's um, being wasted because there's a, a leaky valve and, and we're losing what seems like a very small amount of water in a day, but across a growing season, it adds up. And then really matching the irrigation to the soil. So we know that we're not irrigating too much in one section of the field or too little in another section of the field. So there's a lot of room for room for efficiency still yet to be done. Yeah, so are you using, like, drones and things like that to see what um – what areas of the field are more productive or have issues, or is it really more of a manual testing regime? We're, we're doing both. So we're using drones and fixed wing as well as satellite data to, okay. to, to quickly identify areas where there's um, non-uniformity. And then we're actually going out in the field and testing it. 
find out what's causing that non-uniformity. So the, the aerial imagery helps us identify it, but it doesn't really tell, tell us the root cause. So, so yeah. um, we provide that service to our growers where we go out and we'll, we'll actually do a field test at ground level to find um, what, what the causes are and then improve on that. And give me an example of what might be causing uh, disuniformity in a drip system. Um, soils is the biggest one. So um, say you have 100 acres that you've planted trees on, and you have some soil variation where one soil is a lighter soil and water runs through it more quickly, and another area may be a real heavy soil and water doesn't um, infiltrate very well. Today, with the newest irrigation systems, when they designed the irrigation system, they actually designed to match that soil, and they valve it and control it so they can deliver water uniquely to different zones of the field. In the past, it wasn't done that way. The irrigation system was designed to deliver water across the whole 100, 100 acres at one time. So that's kind of next level that you see in irrigation design is taking up a tier and custom delivering to different individual areas of the, of the orchard. And it's really showing um, big improvements on water use. Wow, that's very, very precise. Precision irrigation, yeah. and even on the orchard, so you balance them separately. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. What, just out of curiosity, you said there were four areas under the Almond Orchard 2025 goals, and one of them was water. Just briefly, what are the other three? Um, so the other three is, is one, increasing environmentally pest management techniques. In, in the okay. orchard, so, so um, using a, a technique we call mating disruption that interrupts the mating pattern of pests rather than applying a pesticide um, to manage oh. pests. So that's one example. Um, Very good. So zero waste in the orchard. So an almond actually produces a number of products. It produces a kernel that we eat, that, that we snack on. It also produces a shell and a hull. Um, as part of, the, uh, part of the almond. So we're finding new markets that this, the shells and the holes can be used in, um, from cattle feed to um, in mixing into plastics to extend plastics and, and strengthen a, a plastic mix, um, to in, injecting in rubber um, to extend rubber, kind of like a recycled material might go in. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're finding new homes. And then the tree itself is another product. So we're reincorporating trees back into the orchard, chipping them up. Um, when we redevelop an orchard, we cut the trees down, we chip them up and reincorporate them back into the soil, and it builds soil health. So in the area of waste, that's another area. And then, and then lastly, reducing dust at harvest time. So if you've been oh. out around, uh, yeah, around um, almonds at harvest time, the machinery produces dust, and we're trying to really reduce that. 50% reduction is our goal through different techniques of how we harvest to kind of knock that dust down. Um, to be good, you know, we want to be good uh, neighbors for the community. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stewards. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, tell us a little yeah. bit about um, the California Almond Sustainability Program, CASP. I saw that so, on the website. Yeah, so CASP is a sustainability program that um, last year we celebrated 10 years of its existence. And it's, it's a complete sustainability program to help growers live on into the future. So it's financial sustainability, 
being um, good members of their community, their growing practices, things like we're talking now on water use. So um, growers go through the program. There's about 500 different questions on their on their practices that they they do in their orchards or their farming operations with the goal to push that continuously improving mantra of helping them improve. Um, so, so right now, of our 7,600 growers, about 2,400 are in set up and, and participating in the program, and we're seeing good fruit from that. And our goal is really to be good members of, uh, of, of the community. We want very healthy, um, sustainable farming operations that can be here and pass their operations down through their families. And in the whole industry, the majority of the farmers are family-held farmers. Um, we have this, in agriculture, you hear the, the phrase corporate farming operations a lot. And mm-hmm. in the almond industry, that's not the case. Um, 76% of our growers are under 100 acres, uh, family-owned operations. Um, so there's a big drive for these growers to pass this down to their families. I work with, with farming operations that are uh, fourth, fifth, sixth-generation agricultural families, and they're very proud of that, and, and they really want to have something to pass on to their kids. So it's a really important thing. It's also important to the market. Um, consumers really want to know that their crops are being grown well and responsibly, um, and we want to be able to demonstrate that. So during the drought, as an example, we were able to go back on our data collected, and that's where we discovered this 30% reduction in water use over 20 years from the practices that were done in the past. It was really um, the sustainability program gave us that kind of insight into where we were going. It's a great program. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And I heard you say you have 7,600 growers in your organization. And is that how many um, almond growers there are in the state of California, period? Yeah, or just yeah it's 7,600 uh, 7, plus. So, so okay. um, the almond board represents all almond growers in California. So if you're growing almonds, um, you're a member of the almond board. Um, you have to you so, have to be right. I mean, it's a marketing order. You have yeah, to so, pay into this and and uh, you know help accelerate the industry. Right, we're funded by assessment on the crop. So for okay. for every pound sold, that's our funding mechanism. Um, growers put a percentage of their sale in to fund the market board. Yes. And is it mandatory for them to participate in some of these programs, like uh, the 2025 goals or what you just described, the California Almond Sustainability Program, the CAF? Is it mandatory that the growers get involved, or are you, you know, reaching out and seeing who's interested and who needs help? It, it's not mandatory, and, and I'm very thankful that we have a very progressive industry. Um, they want to participate. Um, but, okay. no, it's not mandatory, but we have very good participation. And it's a really big part of my role with the Novin Board is really to help them on programs like the CAF program, understand it, help them through it. I mean, 500 questions, a lot of questions to answer, so we help them um, digest that and, and, and go through the program, as well as help them with other tools um, and just on the agronomic side. So we've got the sustainability program under CAF, but we also have an irrigation calculator that uses 
current weather data to help them determine when and how long to irrigate. So that's a tool available to, the, to them, um, as well as a nutrient management tool. So they can estimate how, how much nutrient they need to apply based on the yield that they're producing. Um, it's a direct tool to, and really helps them put the right amount without over-applying any nutrients. Well, that's really focus. important because we need to we need to protect our groundwater resources. Yes. If you know, if growers of any crop over irrigate and over fertigate, we are polluting our groundwater. So, is this something that's available also to say the the crop consultants that a farmer may hire to help them, or do you find that the majority of the people that are responsive to your services are the farmers themselves? It's a combination. So we really encourage the farmer to bring their consultant all along for the, the journey. So um, the growers can set up an account within the CASP application, and then they can invite whoever they choose to work with that tool. Um, and they're, they're very important in, in, this, um, in this path. To, to, uh, the consultant is for a lot of these growers, that's a day-to-day relationship. And, and yeah. Really, you know, uh, they're part of the team, so we want them to have access to them as well, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so the farmers, they're assessed, you know, they're, they're actually paying for this organization, the Almond Board of California, and so they'd be kind of crazy not to take advantage of the services that you offer. I mean, who doesn't want free help, right? Exactly, exactly, and... And we've got some really good success stories with growers that participate in it. Um, and, and again, it goes back to the board, the committees that put together what we're going to focus on. They've been very proactive in making sure that um, we're funding the right research um, and that we get that results of the research out to the industry um, and educate growers based on when we do research projects they know about it. So we do a conference every year, um, this, normally in Sacramento, um, and most of that conference is three days of presentations of research wow. for the growers. Well, you said, yeah. you said 221 research projects over, over time. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. I mean, you know, just, each research project is a lot of money. So. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, amazing. So we do research on nutrition, food safety, pesticides, you know, everything that has to do with the farming um, process which we're conducting research in. Yeah. Now, Tom, are you also involved in uh, telling your story to the general public? Is that part of the mission, or is it just really more internally helping your own growers do better? No, both. And, and um, for listeners, if they want to go to almonds.com, you'll see there's a whole consumer-facing um, section of the website that there are all sorts of things around the process of how we grow almonds, the use of almonds, food products. Um, so we share that information with the market, with the industry. Is We want to get it out as much as we can. You're seeing almonds use in more and more things, especially the plant-based diet they're really taking off. Um, I yeah. have almond-based ice cream the other night. Um, I have my yeah. almond milk every day. It's really becoming a very important food source outside of uh, the traditional snack, right? Uh, right. And I think 
into the future, it's going to become a more and more important ingredient in different food products. Yeah. Yeah. From the uh, from what I know, it just seems to be a more sustainable uh, form of protein that we should probably focus on more. But I don't know if we can focus more than 1.4 million acres. That's a lot of focus. But um, there's probably a, a, a really good story to tell, and um, uh, for people to understand just how valuable and what a great what a great product this is. So can you tell me um, maybe a, a success story uh, with about the five minutes that we have left of people who have, or, you know, farmers that have uh, taken your advice to heed and had great success with it? Yeah. So uh, a couple a couple of different things come to mind. So um, part of CAF is what we call the Irrigation Improvement Continuum. So we put together a couple of hundred page manual or guide to help growers improve in their irrigations. And we have three levels that we're trying to move growers through from level one to three and different practices on how to irrigate. And, and we had one grower up here near Chico in Orland where they started to measure plant stress. That's one of the things that we're trying to get more growers to do. So actually measure how much stress the plant's under. So they, so they know, are we getting adequate water or not? So they started to do that um, across their operation, about 6,000 acres, so a lot of, a lot of ground. And, and they found that measuring the stress of the plant, something they'd never done before, was really telling them that the time between irrigations was too long. And the plants were getting stressed because they were drying down too much. And then when hmm. they irrigated, they were over-irrigating. And oh, hmm. from Yeah. So they were stressing the plant twice, which is really hitting on yield, right, because the plant's not not growing as much during these stress periods. So it really got them to change their whole strategy around irrigation. They started going to more frequent, shorter irrigation. So okay. they brought the plants out of stress. At the end of so the day... The re- go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, at the end of the day, what they found out is they could... They ended up... They could get away with a couple of, um, a couple of less irrigations per season. And that really added up for them. When you think um, 6,000 acres, a couple of irrigation is a lot of water and energy costs. Um, so just that one simple thing of using that, that measurement device, we call it a pressure chamber, it measures mm-hmm. the stress on, on the leaves, um, they were able to have a pretty big savings. Uh, and were they, were, they, were they using um, soil moisture sensors before that or just ET and weather-based sensing they, to determine the irrigation? That's what they, that's what they learned. They were, they were doing a little bit of soil moisture, um, but mostly relying on weather data. So um, that's a common thing for growers. They use weather data to tell them how much water to replace. You know, it was so right. hot last week. Your trees use so much water, you got to replace it but doesn't really tell you how effectively you're replacing it, right? So yeah. they would they put a big glut on every two weeks, um, and they found out that they were replacing what the weather told them to replace, but they weren't replacing the right schedule, the right frequency. So it was a big help. Yeah. Um, and, you know, both of our backgrounds in the drip industry, we know that some of these farmers are adopting drip, but they're really not utilizing it um, to its 
receive maximum benefit. They're really running right. it like a, a flood system, and that's a mistake. So it's, hopefully this can help. It's a, but, it's a complicated process, and they came from using really large sprinklers that applied a lot of water and transitioned to drip. And it, it, there was a learning curve to that, right? Sure. Uh, so, and then... And then another example of a grower down in the Madera area, Madera Fresno area, um, they started doing the same thing. Um, they went through the continuum. They learned some different techniques, and, and they started using both this plant stress measurement as well as soil moisture and, and started leveraging a lot more on soil moisture. And they started growing almonds in 2003. They were new to it, didn't really know much, but the first few years they had really good success. Um, and then people started talking to them about deficit irrigation. And they thought, deficit irrigation, why cut back on water? Water equals yield. So mm-hmm. they thought, no, we need to put, we want to increase our yields. We want to do better in the industry um, average. So we're going to push it. We're going to put more water on. And they ended up getting themselves in a situation where they had a bunch of plant disease. Alchinaria is a plant disease and whole rot. Yeah. And it came from over-irrigation. So they went, we've got to figure out what's going on. And they started measuring, measuring what they were doing. They weren't going by the seat of their pants anymore. They were actually measuring. And they discovered that they could pull way back on water, um, that they were way overdoing it. And they were actually hurting their crop. Um, and they ended up um, saving a lot on water, but also they eliminated their whole rotten Alton area issue. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Well, yeah. Tom, thank yeah. you so much for joining the show. We're at the top of the hour. Um, I wish you luck in continuing to help the biggest crop in California uh, continue to succeed and give us a sustainable protein source. And-